You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I cover the Chicago Bears for NBC Sports Chicago, and I cover the NFL for Pro Football Focus. Locked On Bears is your podcast destination for daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. And today we are reacting instantly to the Bears win over the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to talk about the big sideline fight after the late hit to Mitchell Trubisky. And we'll also touch on Trubisky's performance as a whole in what was actually a record-setting day, at least a team record-setting day for the young quarterback. And of course, we have to talk about the Bears defense that once again holds the San Francisco 49ers offense out of the end zone. But of course, we have to start with what was the biggest and I think most notable moment in this game. About two-thirds of the way through the fourth quarter, the Bears were sitting on a nice little five-point lead, and Mitchell Trubisky scrambles off the left side of the offensive line, picks up about seven yards before sliding to the ground to avoid a potential hit. But of course, the 49ers rookie defensive back, Marcel Harris, comes in late, flying in out of nowhere, and lands on top of the young quarterback. And it wasn't the most egregious hit. It was a dumb play by a rookie player, and but it wasn't as though he came in helmet to helmet to take out Mitch's head. He kind of falls in and ultimately lands with his chest and his arms on Mitchell Trubisky, which is certainly against the rules, certainly a, a bad play, and uh, obviously the Bears' sideline felt similarly because, of course, Harris pops up, Trubisky pops up, and uh, Josh Bellamy and Anthony Miller come in and start shoving and throwing a few punches. Richard Sherman jumps in for the 49ers and starts getting in some faces, and Kyle Long steps up to the plate and starts pushing some players back. Even Tony Medlin, the equipment manager, got in there a little bit and was at least uh, verbally involved in the altercation, and it was a mess, and it delayed the game for a good 5-10 minutes of real time as the referees you know, talked with the officials in New York and watched the replay and tried to figure out what exactly happened. In the end, Charles Leno was called for offensive holding, which was offset. The defensive back, Marcel Harris, was called for unnecessary roughness, which, again, all penalties were offset. But neither, or I guess Harris was not ejected for his late hit, but Anthony Miller, Josh Bellamy, and Richard Sherman were all disqualified and ejected for their hits in the scuffle after the quarterback took the initial hit. And it was uh, it was certainly exciting. It added a little energy back into the fourth quarter of a, a a little bit more of a meaningless game. Not totally meaningless for the Bears, still pushing for that first round bye, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But the 49ers just trying to play spoiler, and the Bears kind of in control there after the Danny Trevathan interception. But this added some juice. This got both teams really fired up, and it, it was the, the major talking point of this game. And Matt Nagy was kind of asked about how his team handled it after the game. And I wanted to play his clip for you to kind of get the coach's take on it. And then we'll talk about what it seemed to mean for the team. So, I mean, these, these guys are out there uh, flying around 100 miles an hour. And, um, you know, Mitch went down uh, similar to uh, the Vikings game. Uh, now, this one was a little bit different, but uh, the, the, the guys are flying around. And, you know, I, I really believe that none of it was intentional. Guys are just playing hard. And so, um, you know, and then guys want to defend each other. They, they always want to defend your quarterback. 
and then those guys are going to are going to want to defend their teammates, and it's a bunch of big grown men going at it, and so uh, you just want to be able to to let that shut down, and then move on to the next play. What do I say to them? I don't. I I I have no idea what they did. I have to see it and and to be able to talk to them about that. But um, you know they they know um, what what they did, and so we'll sit down and watch it and make sure that uh, they understand why and get better from it. Mitchell Trubisky also weighed in on the matter after the game and was proud of his teammates for stepping up and defending him. My teammates had my back all the way, which is awesome to see. We just gotta have my back and, and be smart as a team because we can't afford to lose two guys like that. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're, we're brothers out there. We're a family. We're going to protect one another. And it was nice to see they had my back, and I hope they know I always got theirs as well. So we just got to play smart football and, and go from there. But it was cool to see those guys um, just jump in. But we just got to be smart about it because we need everyone. So Trubisky makes a good point that, you know, in a, perhaps a different game and a different situation, they would have been hurting losing both of those guys because they only dressed four active receivers for the game. Kevin White and Javon Wims were both healthy scratches, and so Josh Bellamy and Anthony Miller get ejected, and you're left with Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel as your only two wide receivers out there. And ultimately, it didn't hurt them in this game, and you know they, they certainly have enough tight ends and running backs to kind of make up for it You know to last the final five minutes of a fourth quarter, but... It makes you wonder if there's going to be any lingering penalty from this that other players this season, when they've gotten into fights, have faced potential suspensions from the NFL, that it could be a one-game thing. I know you know you think like college football, when they get ejected for targeting, then they're, they usually get the next half. I don't think we'll see something like that in the NFL. But it does make you wonder that does, does Anthony Miller or Josh Bellamy potentially miss next week against the Minnesota Vikings? It's it's I'm guessing that's not a non-zero chance that something like that could happen, which you know they at least would then have more bodies with Kevin White and Javon Wims. But still, it is there is some some negative there, of course, with the positive with defending the quarterback. And it was it, it's so remarkable how quickly everyone jumped to Mitchell Trubisky's defense. There was no hesitation. There was no there was no one sitting out either. I mean, everyone was right there to jump in and say, hey. Get off my quarterback. You can't do that. Get off my sideline. Get away from my team. We're kicking your butt already. Just just go. Get away from here. And at the end of the day, it may end up being a little bit more no harm, no foul. But I think it was an important moment that kind of signaled the cohesion of this team, the you know the brotherhood, the, the bond that these players have, and how much of that just stems from this young quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky helped the Bears just barely cover what was a four-point spread on mybookie.ag. And I'm telling you, these games are a lot more fun when you have some action riding on it. I know you've heard me talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still sitting on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at mybookie. They already have the line set for next week's Bears at Vikings game, and the Vikings are favored by six. And if you think the Bears can either win or lose that game by less than six points, you got to go on to MyBookie and win big today. Sign up this week and MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to MyBookie right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get your 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Up next, we look a little bit more closely at Mitchell Trubisky's performance, which, it turned out, set a Chicago Bears record. Keep it locked. 
right here on Locked On Bears. Thank you for tuning in to Locked On Bears as we recap the Bears' win over the San Francisco 49ers and a little bit lost in the, you know, the the sideline fight and the the great defensive performance and all of the Robbie Gold love for all the field goals he was hitting and you know Cody Parkey's missed field goal in there as well. What was lost in that was a pretty ultra efficient performance from Mitchell Trubisky. You know he wasn't totally lighting it up or torching the 49ers downfield, but what he was doing was taking care of the football, taking the easy plays that were there, and playing efficient and I don't want to say mistake-free football, but ultimately many of his mistakes were. Uh, inconsequential or called back due to penalties or return or a replay review from the referee. So he finishes 25 of 29 for 246 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Good for a 113.5 passer rating. And as it turns out, no Chicago Bears quarterback has ever had that high of a completion percentage in a game. Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic pointed this out on Twitter. Using the Pro Football Reference Database, you can look up highest completion percentage for any Bears quarterback in any game. And when you limit it to quarterbacks that attempted at least 16 passes, so you can make sure it's a full game's worth and not just you know a backup coming in for a few throws, any Bears quarterback with at least 16 passes Mitchell Trubisky has the highest completion percentage in any one game by those quarterbacks, sitting at 86.2% with that 25 of 29 performance. No Bears quarterback has ever had a game with that high of a completion percentage. And I think a lot of the credit for that goes to Matt Nagy for being able to scheme up this young quarterback and to put him in positions to be successful and you know find space open in zones and you know be able to target his playmakers against man-to-man and you know, it wasn't all easy stuff, and, and give give Trubisky some credit there. He had the 43-yard the deep pass to Allen Robinson early on that Robinson had to die for and ultimately got hurt, but he also connected on, on a deep 26-yard throw downfield. I believe that one went to Taquan Mizell kind of on a wheel out of the backfield. So it wasn't pure dink and dunk. There were a few shots mixed in there, but overall, really taking care of the ball, much more accurate than we had seen in, in some previous games, and really keeping this offense moving when they needed to. Like I said, there were still mistakes in there with the lateral decision on that triple option and ultimately that interception that was called back due to a penalty, but you know that doesn't stay in the stat sheet, and he finishes with the efficient performance. And I, I liked the way Matt Nagy seemed to characterize it after the game, so I want to go back to just a little blurb here from his post-game press conference. Yeah, well, I know I know uh, he threw a lot of completions. Um, you know, anytime you throw completions in this game, you give yourself uh, a chance to win because you stay ahead of the sticks. And you, you don't get into third and long situations. Uh, he did that. I don't know. Um, I think he was I – don't, I don't know his exact numbers, but I think he – it felt like in the game like he had a bunch of completions in a row. And when you do that in this league, good things happen. And, and he made some big-time throws there at the end of the game on – third and five and then third and uh, four or five to a Rob and um, he's he's uh, he's now taking that next step and I love to see it really the only Trubisky mistake that counted 
was that lateral to Tariq Cohen on the triple option play that was ultimately fumbled. And Matt Nagy received a lot of criticism for that play call as well, you know, maybe trying to do a little bit too much as a play caller in addition to the quarterback maybe making a mistake there as well. So I also wanted to play Matt Nagy defending that play call and kind of what goes into that situation. Well, for him, you know, he's... He's, uh, I think it was second and two when that happened, and he pulled it and and uh, uh, decided to, to go for the run. And there's sometimes in this offense we have different um, options and choices that that he has. We put a lot on his plate, and so you know there's going to be times for all the good decisions that he made today. Um, of you know that's going to be the one that comes up that that that's asked. Which, but you know for the most part, you know he he shouldn't have thrown it, but he, that's okay. I mean he's. He learns from that, and so I got to be able to coach him and tell him the why part, and, and and he's the first one to know that when he comes to the to the sideline. I mean, that's a part of some of the RPO stuff that we do, and just like I told you guys with with some of the trick plays that, that we talk about, um, there's going to be some times where um, if you're going to go ahead and say we're either going to run it or throw it within the same play, there's going to be some times where you don't make a hundred percent great decision, but we got to be able to accept that. And then when he makes great decisions, which he, he made a bunch of those today in the same exact play, those don't get talked about, you know, only the ones that, that, you know, that happens. And I understand that. And he understands that. But let's go back, watch tape, see why and fix it. You know, in the moment watching that fumble live, I found myself agreeing with a lot of what Matt Nagy had to say there that, you know, it's, it is a snap decision for Mitchell Trubisky. It is somewhat of a staple play for their offense that they're always going to keep coming back to and build things off of it. And I also felt like that lateral pass, although it was the wrong decision to throw it to Cohen, who was behind the line of scrimmage and had defenders right in his face, the best case scenario there was a tackle for loss, most likely. But the biggest problem I had with it was that it did hit Tariq Cohen in the hands. He jumped up, it hit him in the hands, he drops it, and it's a fumble, and Trubisky gets the blame, and, and Nagy gets the blame, but I, I felt like the young running back should have bared some of the responsibility there. It was not a perfect lateral, it was not a great location, but it was a very catchable lateral, and I thought Cohen's drop took that play from being bad to worse, or maybe terrible to catastrophic, and, and I thought that aspect of it got a little bit overlooked as you kind of look at, back at the one major mistake that counted from Mitchell Trubisky's performance. And the mistakes felt few and far between for this Bears defense in what was another strong performance. So still to come, we'll break down big games from Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack, despite neither one actually sacking the quarterback. That's next on Locked On Bears. Well, you are Locked On Bears, and we are breaking down the Bears' win over the San Francisco 49ers, and we have to talk about another strong performance from the Bears' defense. There were times when maybe they felt a little bit vulnerable between the 20s. It seemed like for a little while the 49ers got the running game going, and then Nick Mullins was able to get some passes going in there to, you know, his third and fourth string wide receivers. Guys, you know, people outside of Kendrick Bourne, I, I legitimately had never heard of him. I heard of everybody else in this San Francisco 49ers receiving core and, you know, the tight ends and the running backs, but... Kendrick Bourne, a former undrafted free agent out of Eastern Washington, ultimately ended up finishing with a handful of catches, I think four for 73 yards and had a big game. And, you know, give credit to Nick Mullins because this Bears defense was getting after him. 
They only brought him down for one sack, but he was under pressure on close to half of his dropbacks. Pro Football Focus hasn't locked in their official data from the All-22 film review, but as it stands right now, 17 out of 39 dropbacks under pressure. Mullins did a pretty good job of being able to escape the pocket and, and throw downfield, and that might be one of the one of the one weaknesses or shortcomings of this Bears defense in the performance was just that they do have to work on keeping better contain in the pocket when they do get after the quarterback. It's great to flush them out, and they deserve a lot of credit for that, and it's been a big reason for their success. And it, it makes it so much harder for the quarterback, but they have allowed quarterbacks to extend plays and potentially make big plays, and that's just one little area of improvement you could see from these guys. But it was still an incredibly strong performance from Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack. I mean, the two top playmakers just come to play every single week. And I know this isn't the type of performance that necessarily adds to Khalil Mack's Defensive Player of the Year candidacy. I mean, the sacks are such the big number there. And I know Aaron Donald in the Rams game set the record for most sacks by a defensive tackle in the season. I think he's up over 19 and approaching 20 so far this season. So, I mean, he, he might be falling behind in that battle. But in terms of just a pure impact on this game, he was a beast at getting after the quarterback. He finished with three hits and five quarterback hurries on 37 pass rushing snaps. I mean, he's getting to the quarterback every four to five plays. He is in the quarterback's face. He gave the rookie right tackle, Mike McGlinchey, a ton of trouble. You know, they tried to put other tight ends and running backs on him, and he was still getting to the quarterback, still made plays in the running game as well. And just, you know, like I think I say it almost every time we talk about Khalil Mack, you run out of great things to say. You run out of ways to compliment him and feels like Akeem Hicks is starting to get into that territory. You know, again, no sacks for him, but that's okay. Disruption is production. And that's what Josh Norris from Roto World, a great fantasy football guy, he, he coined that phrase a number of years ago. Disruption is production. And Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack were disruptive. Hicks really standing out for the batted passes in this game. Had, had three swatted down there at the line of scrimmage. And that was more than he had all season. I believe he had two in the first 15 weeks of the year and added three more against Nick Mullins. In fact, you look back over Akeem Hicks' career from 2012 when he entered the NFL to 2017, he had a total of four batted passes. And he had three in this game against the 49ers alone. I mean, he was keying in on Mullins, particularly when they go to those quicker three-step drops that was Akeem Hicks's signal to stop, jump up in the air, get the arms up. And Mullins was staring down some receivers too, it kind of felt like, throughout the game. So good on this veteran defensive lineman for really being able to take advantage of, you know, what the quarterback was kind of giving him. I also think safety Adrian Amos deserves a lot of credit for the way he played in coverage in this game. That, you know, Eddie Jackson's out, Deion Bush is in, and I thought Deion Bush played a, a pretty fine game as well. It wasn't really... It targeted all that much, wasn't around the ball all that much either, kind of just average safety play. But Adrian Amos had a lot of opportunities against George Kittle in coverage. And, you know, you initially you look at the stat sheet and see George Kittle seven catches for 74 yards, and maybe you think, eh, they did okay there. But you start to look a little bit more closely at the coverage numbers from Pro Football Focus. Adrian Amos versus George Kittle, two targets, one catch, six yards, one pass breakup. Really uh, a solid performance from this young safety. And I think the majority of Kittle's yards came on two catches for 48 yards against Kyle Fuller in coverage. It certainly was a group effort. Trevathan was on him. Mukamara was on him. Rokon faced the target. Bush did as well. Mack 
even was in coverage on uh, George Kittle. And But I, I give Amos a lot of credit for play, playing tough and, and being in on a lot of those passes. Even when the targets weren't coming there, you could kind of look around and see, okay, where's George Kittle on this play? A lot of times it was Adrian Amos kind of one-on-one, even you know man coverage or even zone when he's in his area. just felt like Amos was really in great position to not let Kittle run. And when they did allow catches to Kittle, they limited the yards after the catch. He, he leads the NFL in yards after catch this season. You know, Amos wasn't letting him get anything after the ball. He, he did get a little bit here and there, but 38 yards after the catch, and 20 of them came on those two catches to Kyle Fuller, where Fuller was just a little bit out of position downfield against him. But everybody else, limiting those opportunities, limiting this 49ers offense when they were able to complete the passes, when they were able to escape the pass rush, or when Mullins was able to make some decent plays. They just, they they limited what these playmakers could do for the 49ers. And then, of course, Danny Trevathan, right place, right time, gets that trademarked interception, that trademarked turnover for this Bears defense. You know, you, you were sitting through this game like me, and you kind of get, you get all the way to the fourth quarter, and you're like, okay, something's missing here. Right, this Bears defense seems to be flying around pretty well, but something's just not quite right. We're still waiting for something to happen. It was that turnover. Lo and behold, seven minutes, forty-three seconds left in the fourth quarter. Passes off the fingertips of Marquise Goodwin. Danny Trevathan standing right there, lands right in his arms, right place, right time. That's an experienced linebacker in the you know in a experience in a defense as well, knowing where to be being alert for the ball, and making a play when the opportunity was presented to him. And plenty of opportunities will be presented to you this week for more daily Chicago Bears news and analysis from Locked on Bears. That's why you got to subscribe on whatever podcast app it is that you use. We are on pretty much everything, and if there's something that we're not on, let us know on Twitter at Locked on Bears. Let us know on Facebook, the Locked on Bears Facebook group as well as a great way to keep up with your fellow listeners of this podcast and join us for lots of Bears news and analysis. I'm not sure yet what my podcast plans will be for Christmas Day and potentially the day after as well, but either way, we will be back to preview this Vikings matchup for Week 17 and get you everything you need to know. In the meantime, I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas and enjoy the time off work. Or if you're Jewish, have a happy Hanukkah, assuming that's not over. I don't really know what the timeline is for that. Or if you celebrate Kwanzaa, have a happy Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate this holiday season, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy this Bears win. And I hope you bear down.